Um, Lord, I just pray that today that you would just be working in all of us, Lord, that you would just be bringing us closer to you, teaching us more about you, showing you us uh, who you are, um, Lord, and just through your promises, Lord, what we can hold on to in the day to day. So I just pray you'd be speaking through me, that you would just use me as your vessel this morning. Um, I am nothing without you, and I need you to speak. So Lord, I just pray that you would this morning. Your sins let me pray. Amen. Well, cool. My name is Ben. I am the youth pastor here at the Hope Center, so I'm not used to being up here in front of you. Um, Jared is um, celebrating Thanksgiving with his family over in Oregon. His son is going is working on. He's in school, so and he couldn't get time off, so he went to go see him. So you're stuck with me this morning. Um, but I'm excited to be with you all. Um, the title of my, path of my sermon this morning is The Pathway of Gratitude. Now we're talking about that because it's Thanksgiving, but also because I just feel like gratitude is the start of what God calls us to, and it's the start of what um, the life that he's made us for, I would even argue. So I'm really hoping there's some good things for all of us in this this morning. Um, but how many of you can remember times when you were really grateful? Yeah, you got, it's really easy. It was Thanksgiving, okay? The time when I was really grateful was when I got my first speeding ticket, okay? So um, Jim was up here, and he's like, do you have a sin that, like, you just have a hard time giving up? My wife, my new wife, would tell you that something I really struggle with is speeding. I'm not very good at uh, going the speed limit. Um, I'm confessing that. I'm bringing that to the Lord. So, um, but simply put, I remember being 18 years old. It's my 18th birthday, and had a bunch of friends over, and you know, you're 18. It's a, it's a celebration of your birth, and everybody's just having a good time, and um, I remember my friends wanted to kidnap me and basically take me to go do some fun stuff throughout the town that that day, and my mom, she, I remember the, the one thing she says, she's like, Ben, just don't get in trouble. That's all I ask. Just don't get in trouble. Classic mom. So I get in the car, and we, we do a bunch of crazy stuff. Like we jump off a bridge into a river. We uh, have a bonfire. Um, we're just hanging out. Well, I did have a curfew still because I was still living with my parents. And I was like, oh, no, I'm going to be so late. And my brother's with me. So he's 16. So we get in the car. And I am just flooring it back home because I don't want to get in trouble with my mom. My heart was in the right place, right? Okay. So <laughs> um, I'm going 16 of 45, and all of a sudden I see the lights blare behind me, and uh, I pull over, and I am just like, my mom is going to kill me. <laughs> like, this is bad. Like, oh, man. And my brother, he is sitting in shotgun, and he is laughing. He's having the time of his life. He's like, this is great. I get to be here for my brother's first ticket. I'm so excited, you know. <laughs> um, he probably was going to get his phone out and video it. Anyways, the police officer comes over. He asks for my license registration, and I give it to him. He said, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm just driving home. He's like, you're going pretty fast. I like, yeah, I was trying to go home. <laughs> and uh, he goes, and he leaves, and... Oh, man. Uh, this is vulnerabil vulnerability time, guys, okay? 
I'm 18 years old. I started crying in the middle of my car because I was just, my mom was going to kill me. I knew. <laughs> she was. Um, and uh, <laughs> my brother is just dying <laughs> in laughter. He's watching his 18-year-old brother get his first ticket, crying. He, he still tells everybody this story. So I might as well just tell you before you hear it from somebody else. And <sighs> the officer comes back, and he, <laughs> I put the window down, and he sees me crying. And he's like, is today your birthday? I'm like, yeah. He's like, just go home safe. Slow down. And he leaves. And I was just like, praise the Lord. I was so grateful. And I remember my mom still found out about it, but that's okay. I didn't get a ticket. So that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Um, but this kind of brings me to my first point. Gratitude. Gratitude is having a joy over a benefit received, right? But I would maybe argue that true gra gratitude, biblical gratitude, is about remembering the giver and not just the gift. True gratitude is God-focused and not self-focused. In Philippians 4.4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. You're not rejoicing over the gift you have. You're rejoicing over what the Lord has done, what the Lord continues to do, and what the Lord will do. It's God-focused. True gratitude is having joy over the fact that anything good in your life, whether it is in the, this life or the next one, is from God. So, the first step on the pathway of gratitude is obviously gratitude. The second step is content. Gratitude leads to content. We go to Philippians 4. And in my, my talk today, I'm going to talk a lot about the missionary Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. But he's somebody who suffered a lot for the gospel. And when he's writing the book of Philippians, he's actually in prison for following Jesus, basically, for sharing the gospel with people. And Philippians 4, 12, 13 says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Paul's saying here, hey, I can be content no matter any circumstance because the joy of the Lord is my strength. The joy of the Lord is my strength. If you look at 2 Corinthians 11, 20-27, talk, Paul talks about some of the horrible things that he has gone through for, in the name of Jesus, okay? Paul's story is, he was, wasn't a follower of Jesus, and if anything, he was putting cr people in jail for following Jesus, getting people killed for following Jesus, and God shows up in his life. Paul becomes a Christian and chooses just to share the gospel with people, even in the face of suffering. Some of the suffering is, verse 24, five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. 
They wouldn't give you 40 because they believed if they gave you 40, you would die. So five times he gets 39 lashes. Three times he was beaten with rods. Once he was stoned. Three times he was shipwrecked. Once he spent a whole night and a day adrift at sea. He has gone through tremendous suffering and pain for following Jesus. And he's in prison at this time when he's writing all of this. And he is saying, I can be content in all circumstances through Christ. That's powerful. That's an example to us. So what are some things that he is grateful for? One of my favorite uh, chapters in the Bible is Romans 8. If you are ever down and you are just pondering your faith, I would encourage you to go read Romans 8. Because Romans 8 is just chocked full of promises that the Lord has given us that we can hold on to for those hard days in life. Okay? Romans 8.1. So now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. That's right. Well, who is right? No condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Romans 8.18 says, For the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. Heaven's going to be so good that we're not even going to remember all the suffering we went through here on earth. That's pretty crazy. That's what Paul's saying. Romans 8.28 because God doesn't just give us promises for the next life. He gives us promises for this life. Because he says in Romans 8, 28. Here we go. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and who are called according to his purpose for them. Paul's saying, no matter what happens in your life, God is going to use it for your good. No matter what happens in your life, God is going to use it for your good. I remember the first time I read that, I was like, that's a huge promise, okay? Because it's not only about what others do to you, it's even in your own sin, okay? God could somehow still use that for good, for the good of those who love him. That's crazy, all right? That's nuts, but that's how powerful God is. He's unstoppable. And the last one I'm going to give you is at the end of Romans 8. And I'm convinced that nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Nothing can separate you from his love. Anything you do, anything somebody else does, doesn't matter what the government does, doesn't matter what circumstances are in your life, he loves you. For rich or for poor, okay, in sickness and in health, in death do us part, all right? I just got married, so I I memorized that, all right? (laughs) But (laughs) But that's the love he has for you, and that's the reason that the Bible says, hey, Marriage, this is supposed to be my metaphor, my illustration to you of my love for you. I love you no matter what, whatever the circumstance. 
all right? And that's why Paul can be content. That's why Paul chooses gratitude, because he knows that even in prison, even after being beaten, even after being whipped five times, 39 times, he's like, God's going to use this for my good. The sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed in us. When I get in heaven, I'm not going to be thinking about any of this. I'm going to be enjoying being in the presence of the Lord. Right? And that in all of this, God will love me. God will choose me. He will never leave me. All right? Amen? Amen. All right. That's how we can be content. And this content leads to trust. All right, finding content in what the Lord has done leads to trusting God. Now, another word for trust is faith, right? Hebrews 11.1 says, Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Faith is having confidence even when we don't see it, even when it doesn't even look like it's going to happen, even when our circumstances don't look good, even when the, the, deck, the deck is stacked against us, I have confidence that the Lord is still going to work. If you read Philippians 1, this is the beginning when Paul's in prison, and he's sitting there writing this book in his prison cell, and he says, I'm in the wrong book. It's there, I promise. Here you go. Philippians 1. Paul says, he's in prison. For I fully expect and hope that I will never be ashamed, but that I will continue to be bold for Christ, as I have been in the past. And I trust that my life will bring honor to Christ, whether I live or die. For to me, living means living for Christ, and dying is even better. But if I live, I can do more fruitful work for Christ. He's in prison for this stuff, and he's already contemplating if he gets out, he's going to do more? What? And he's even contemplating, hey, if I die, i got to go be with Jesus which for the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that will be revealed to us. But if I live, i got to go share the gospel with more people. Amen. And he's in prison. That's crazy. That's nuts. I mean, that is just like perseverance. That is trust, okay? He is so grateful for what God has done. He's so content in what God is doing and has done and will do because he has a having faith that he trusts the Lord even in his darkest hour and he's thinking about when he gets out the more good he can do that's crazy that's just nuts <laughs> and this trust leads to our, be our obedience okay Proverbs 3 5 and 6 says I should, write, I should have just written this down. 
Yeah, I appreciate it. I appreciate it. See, Jared does this every week, so he's, he probably would have been like, yeah, you should have wrote that one down. <laughs> you should have done it, man. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I promise I had these memorized. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things you memorize it, and you're like, oh, I got it. And then you get in front of everybody, and you're like, I'm blank. Okay. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. I just love that verse because I feel like it perfectly shows the structure of trust leads to obedience. If I trust God, I'm going to submit my will to his. I'm going to try to seek his will in all that I do. Trust leads to obedience. That simple. All right. The last point. Obedience leads to evangelism. All right. And being in Philippians again, Paul is writing, and he's talking to the Philippians, and he's saying in verse 12, he says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. For everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. And because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. Our obedience is always going to be the best witness for Christ. Because we can say a lot of things, but if you talk the talk, but you don't walk the walk, nobody's going to follow him. And I would argue, you know, a lot of us, if I'm honest, like I'm somebody like this, who I can like be like, God, I don't feel like doing this, I don't want to do this, but I'll be obedient. And that's good. But I would argue, for me in that moment, I need to go back to Romans 8, and I need to be grateful for what the Lord has done, okay? Because we want to have willing obedience. We want to be in a place where I'm joyful. I'm rejoicing in the Lord always. Philippians 4.4, Paul says, rejoice in the Lord always. And he's in prison. He's writing this again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, Rejoice. That's powerful when you consider he's in prison. But that's what the Lord calls us to. But our obedience will always be the best witness for Christ. So I think the question we need to ask ourselves is, there's a saying, um, John Piper, have you ever heard of him? Okay, He has a saying, God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. God is most glorified in us when we are most satisfied in him. If that's when God is most glorified, when we're most satisfied in him, then how does it look in our lives to show that we are glad or have joy in the Lord, in our actions? Like with our money. Are we joyful givers? Do we see opportunities when somebody needs some help, that we joyfully, like, absolutely, the Lord has given me this, 
It is my money to steward well. It is a gift for me to give to you. What about with our time? Of just saying, hey, I have a moment to help this person out, to serve this person. I know what the Lord has done for me. Yeah, absolutely. Here's some of my time. I'll give that. Or a talent. Like when we look for a job, are we looking for a job that gives us the most money? Or are we looking for a job that gives us the biggest opportunity to build the Lord's kingdom? It all starts with gratitude. Because I feel like gratitude puts us in that headspace. It puts us in that place of being more generous, of being in a place of like, yeah, I'm willing to give. I want to give. Okay, my cup is overflowed. It's easy. It starts with gratitude. You know, I just got married a couple week, few weeks ago. Yeah, November 4th. And I think when I'm thinking about this, like, oh, man, just learning how to serve somebody else no matter what's going on, you know, and choosing to think about Jackie and all the decisions that I make. You know, it's so easy to do it when it's just you, but then you get married and all of a sudden it's like, well, okay, I need to learn to thinking about my wife and every decision that I make. I need to be more considerate, okay? And Jackie would tell you, I'm learning, I'm learning. <laughs> and she's very gracious with me. Um, but there's times where it's late at night and this is, this is something we're learning about. So I am somebody who at late at night I love to just turn my mind off, so I'll go watch a TV show, and I may I might stay up a little later. And we learned this when we were at Grover Thanksgiving, because my mom stayed up till one in the morning, watching what Hallmark movies. <laughs> <laughs> right? Okay. <laughs> and Jackie was falling asleep on the couch because Jackie goes to bed at 9:30 if she can, and then she gets up at five in the morning, which I'm not about that. But I'm learning that. At night, hey, it's good for us to go to bed together so we can pray and then go to bed together. So I need to serve her and work for what's best in her schedule, and I need to go to bed earlier, which has been tough because I, like my mom, because I grew up in this way, I want to stay up and watch something to turn my mind off before I go to bed, right? But I'm just saying... If I have that attitude of gratitude, if I'm choosing gratitude off the bat, it's much easier for me to see, oh, I need to be a better husband. I need to serve Jackie. So this leads to my last point. Gratitude is a choice. Gratitude is a choice. So every day, we need to decide what we're going to do. And I, man, I really think Sometimes we forget Romans 8, and we forget all these promises that the Lord has given us. And if we take time, I would encourage you this week. You know, we just had Thanksgiving. We talked about being grateful. Go read Romans 8. Go read about what you have to be grateful for. We all have to be grateful for and what we're looking forward to. Okay? But gratitude is a choice. Let's pray. Dear God, I just thank you for this day. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I just thank you for everything that you've done for us, um, for everything you will do for us. Lord, I just pray that we would be grateful. Um, we would choose gratitude. Um, 
Yeah, Lord, we have so much to be grateful for, and um, that's that's where our heart gets in the right place. That's where we become more like you. That's where um, we find the life that we were made for. It starts with gratitude, being grateful for what you've done. I just pray that we would do that this week um, and continue that for the rest of our lives. In your sins, let me pray. Amen.